Hello and welcome to this very special live with Mr. Andy, married man. How, how does it feel any different or does it feel? Um, I suppose it does, yeah. I suppose it does. It's strange. I think it's, um, it feels great. I didn't think it was going to be, didn't think it was going to feel any different, but I suppose it kind of does. How did it's your speech weird. go? Say again? How did your speech go? Oh, fine. I think I made everybody cry, so always a bonus. So that's quite good. I'd but, say that that was good. There's some laughter, there's some tears. Smashed it. <laughs> nailed it. What more, can you, what more can you ask for? And was it nice weather? Yeah, it was lovely weather. So it was about maybe 12 degrees, bright. Um, got some, probably got some really nice pictures. I, we got some nice pictures outside. Because um, obviously it's got a, it's a really nice view. Looks out onto yeah. St Andrews across the across the bay and stuff. Um, yeah, so no, it was incredible good. location. Yeah, so no, we were we we really lucked out with the weather. Um, and yeah, everything was cool, really good. Um, our caterers were fantastic, so we're quite lucky. So we know we knew our caterers. So somebody who I know that did our catering, somebody who I know who did the photography. Um, so yeah, we kind of kept it pretty much in-house. Um, so yeah, no, it was, it was awesome. Good. All right, then. Let's get on with the quizzes. Okay, okay. Tom, any tips on speeding up recovery? It's taking forever to recover after leg day. Leg Why day. Why start with this one? Um, <laughs> you know, I do leg day. <laughs> Um, oh, I, did, um, I had a DM from someone who was like, uh, basically like, oh, you're so lucky to be young and fit and healthy and be able to train as hard as you want. And I was like, it's funny what people pick up from social media. Like, obviously, I don't continuously. I mean, I think I do continuously moan about my back, <laughs> but maybe I need to start moaning about it more. But like, I'm so limited in what I can do. But it, it's interesting that people just like assume that well, just make assumptions on social media, which are often yeah. not true. I think it is one of those ones, though, isn't it? That people kind of, they see the good bits, but they don't see the, the bits that you're kind of struggling away, sort of trying to find things to do for your back. I think that's obviously one of the issues that you have. But um, yeah, but you, the thing is, that I think a lot of it as well is, is that, you know, you don't, you since you're having your operation, you don't really talk that much about it unless anybody asks you. Um so yeah you would never you probably never guess and I guess like because it was so bad and now it's like not as bad as it was I'm like I'm not going to complain about it's all relative isn't it like I'm not going to complain about it when I used to not be able to walk that's it exactly you know and I think it's it's one of those ones as well you know you're very good at focusing on the stuff you can control you know you can control the issues with your back and not being able to train legs but what you could control is everything else around it and I think that's something like that's just that's practicing what you preach and the fact that you know we try to this is one of the things that we try to do throughout commit to six is that look yes there are going to be times where things get a bit stressful there's times where things aren't going to go your way but there are ways that you can account for that and there's ways to get around it it's all about staying in control of what you can um you know rather than rather than worrying about what you can't control um and then letting that take you down so yeah you've always you've always you, you obviously it was a pretty it was a very shitty time let's be fair for your back but you you were you kind of have to be commended on the fact that you took it quite really positively 
Um, yeah, yeah, I can always find some kind of positives. I did a bit of like a tough love post on this for AFM yesterday or this morning maybe. Um, and it was about uh, basically if you're the kind of person that sees someone else do well or hears about someone's success or gets a bit of advice and is immediately like, these are the 10 reasons I can't do that. You're never gonna get anywhere. Whereas if you're like, realistically, I have these barriers how can I still use this advice, be motivated by this person or work towards that goal while I'm managing these barriers that I have? Like, how can I get past those? It, it's the difference between like a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. Are you looking for solutions or are you looking for excuses? Because if you're always looking for excuses, you will always find them and you'll always be able to legitimize not trying. And I think sometimes that is like almost like an ego protection thing. And it's like, you're trying to protect yourself, but what you end up doing is protecting yourself from actually ever making any progress because of whether that is like fear of failure or whether that is, yeah, like essentially not trying because you're worried that it won't work out. Like you're only really letting yourself down there because you'll never get the results that you want to get. Yeah. So you talk about this regularly, about stepping outside your comfort zone. That's the place where things are going to be a wee bit, could potentially be a wee bit painful. It's where you're going to learn a lot of lessons. Um, but it's also where you make the most gains in life. Um, is about, you know, and it's pushing those lights, it's pushing it, pushing the lines and the boundaries on that that behalf. So yeah. That is something that we don't talk about enough. And I was speaking about this this morning as well, is that comfort is a lot of us are motivated in fact I would say everyone at, on some level is motivated by staying comfortable like one of our key drivers is like I want to stay within comfort but that often doesn't lend to change of any kind so the thing that you're kind of working against when you're thinking like shall I change is that you're going to have to be uncomfortable like any change is uncomfortable even if it's undoubtedly the best thing for you even if you're really miserable with the way things are now, it's still more comfortable than change, which is why a lot of people stay where they are because they're, they're seeking comfort and they don't want to lose that comfort. And that's something that like, when you're making change, you have to work through it. And that's not just like body composition change. It could be leaving a job. It could be leaving a relationship. It could just be any kind of change that you know that, that's the right choice it doesn't mean that it's an easy choice and it does mean that it still will be uncomfortable anyway back to speaking sorry after leg day tangents yeah. um yeah now nah, the issue with this is obviously we all we all respond slightly different differently to stimulus so some people will get worse doms in certain areas the only really surefire ways of getting rid of doms is to go and do it all again stretch and squeeze the muscles get them moving again say again are you tapping something oh it's it's my microphone box i'll move it away <laughs> i think i've taken too much caffeine this morning <laughs> this afternoon uh, yeah but um stretching is going to alleviate it it's not going to fix it um going away and training again is going to help release it because obviously it's the, the tearing apart of muscles and the rebuilding is where the doms is so really going and doing that again just kind of relaxes the muscles out because you've re-stretched them again. Um, but, you know, there's loads of folk, folk people, a lot of people um, swear by ice baths, but 
we've previously spoken the fact that ice baths could potentially have a hindrance to muscle growth. So yeah, we've got to take these things. What you might need to look at for this is, is actually how much and how much load you're putting through your leg session. You may be overdoing it. Um, and if you can't walk for three or four days, I'd maybe suggest that you just scale it back a little bit, potentially drop the weight a wee bit, or maybe take a set off certain exercises um, and try and adjust from there. Yeah, I would say, I mean, touching on the ice baths, like they may have a place in a competition like Tour de France or something where you're cycling the next day. For long-term use, I wouldn't suggest them because as Andy's saying, they, they seem to... Um, reduced rates of muscle protein synthesis after exercise so they actually probably aren't a great thing for building muscle at, at least if you're using them chronically um re-speeding up recovery and, and when I'm just looking at the timestamp of this which was a week ago I now do remember answering it but we've elaborated on it which is great essentially like you're still two weeks into a training program into a new training program with new stimulus I would expect that yeah like DOMS isn't particularly unexpected I, I kind of tried to reword that halfway through that sentence because I think on the flip side of this, you get a lot of people that are like, I don't have DOMS. Does that mean I'm not building muscle? No, absolutely not. But it is not uncommon to have pretty bad DOMS. And when we say that, we mean muscle soreness, delayed onset muscle soreness, if you've just trained your, changed your training program. So what I would say to Tom is I would imagine if he kept doing the same training program now and he's listening now, he'll be like, yeah, yeah, the jumps aren't as bad this week because my muscles are more used to it. It's really the, the key driver of delayed onset muscle soreness is novel stimulus, so a new yeah. exercise stimulus, and it won't be new anymore after three weeks. So I would just keep going with it. I would suck it up a little bit in the first week. Okay, I don't remember okay. the next question. <laughs> You don't or you do? No, I do. I do. I remember answering all of these. Um, then we've got six days ago, Lindsay Alexander. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations for other like-minded slash helpful podcasts, please? Thank you. No, this is the only podcast you'll ever need. No, joking. What, what do you listen <laughs> to any podcast? Um... I don't really, I'm going to be honest with you, similarly to like journal and stuff, I don't really do many podcasts when it comes to sort of mindset stuff. I like to listen to stuff like sporting podcasts because you get a lot of mindset um, stuff through that, just with different ways of coaches, how they work and different ways of people like athletes and stuff. But genuinely like podcasts for me, for me, obviously ours is fantastic. Um, it's five star ratings if you don't mind. Um, but yeah, mine's is, I've got to be honest, I usually listen to music as podcasts, keeps my, my head relaxed because I do quite a lot of reading and stuff as well. Um, podcasts for me are generally a way out, so, or not a way out, a relaxation point. So I'll listen to something that's probably away from what I'm doing. So um, at the moment, I'm listening to The Good, The Bad, and The Rugby, which is Chloe's husband, James, has a podcast. Listen to that because it's quite good banter. I listen to a couple of football podcasts. Um, obviously, listen to Chloe's podcast. Um, so, yeah. It's, um, so, if you're looking at Chloe's, it's called The Podcast. Then, obviously, you have the EC Method podcast. Yep. You also have Fitness Unfiltered. 
Um, I'm just looking at ones I've recently listened to that not those ones I don't listen to myself continuously um, <laughs> Modern Wisdom is really good or some episodes are really good um, Hidden Brain and these really <laughs> um, I like Hidden Brain is good um, The Science of Success I haven't listened to that in ages but it's quite good NPR's Life Kit I quite like that economics but again a lot of these like Andy's saying I think maybe because it's our job and stuff like I don't listen to a lot of other fitness podcasts um because it just gets gets quite a lot you know and gets quite repetitive because we all very much cover the same things just in slightly different ways um you know the podcast is quite good I think I was actually going to that was one I was probably going to say that you would listen to yeah um, and Amelia's really into Catherine Ryan's podcast. So if, you, if you're looking for some lols, then... Catherine Ryan, Catherine Ryan is hilarious. She's brilliant. Then that would be a good one. Um, okay, this is more of a general question. An obesity doctor recently said that at around the six-month mark, dieting becomes more challenging for physiological and psychological reasons. Would one way to overcome that be to bring calories up to maintenance for a period of time and then resume dieting? Or is this more around mindset, i.e. not over-restricting and not having too big a deficit so mind and body can tolerate it longer term? This is a little bit, probably, that, that those two answers probably work quite nicely, actually. You can do either or. Maybe a slightly, slightly less of a deficit so you can hang around for a bit longer in that deficit work for a longer sp spell but also bringing your calories back up to maintenance for a little spell just to give yourself a little bit of relaxation that you've not got targets to hit just allow yourself to relax slightly is also another good way of doing it um i think a lot i think most of the people that will end up falling off diets is because they're really aggressive like you go from eating whatever the hell you want and you then go savage yourself to a thousand calories a day. Of course, you're going to fall off, buddy. You're going to fall off a hill there. Like that's you're you're setting yourself up for failure. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people setting up diets that way, which is just for me, it's just a little bit crazy. Um, you want people to be able to make these changes to their life for the long term. And we talk about this as a long term process. This isn't like something. Although commit to six six weeks, we are giving you the building blocks for. The rest of your life that's what we're that's what we want to give you is we want you to be able to take this and run with it for the long term and that's what we're looking at you know so we try to teach you that you know there are spells where you can push yourself back up to maintenance something like christmas time potentially coming up you may take yourself up to maintenance for the two weeks over christmas and new year so you've got a little bit more leeway with calories so you can have a little bit more social time with your family and friends etc then you know that you can bring them back down and also giving you the build the tools to be able to understand that yourself i can push the calories up myself but then i can also bring them back down myself and that's just that it's giving you the flexibility and the, the thought process of the fact that this is something that you're in control of yeah i think i think that's a great point i think wh why dieting becomes so fatiguing is largely mindset and if you resent the progress the process of losing body fat or, or the actions that you have to take then one you'll probably never get there long term and two you probably won't be able to maintain it and it's very nice to be able to say like 
just start loving the process. But realistically, not everyone will love the process. Like we don't even love the process every single day. There are days that I don't particularly want to go to the gym, but I'll still go. They're rare and I do generally enjoy the process and I certainly don't resent it, but there's probably a bit of a gap between not resenting something and appreciating the results you're getting from the work you're putting in and completely loving every aspect of the program, which I think, or of the process, which I think is probably quite unrealistic for most people. Much like when people are saying, just love every single part of your body. Like that's not helpful because it's completely unrealistic. And then you feel bad about the fact that you don't love every single part of your body. So I think mindset comes into it hugely. What this obesity doctor is saying doesn't make any sense. Like there's no reason that at a six month mark, all diets would suddenly become psychologically and physiologically harder. There's absolutely no reason for that. Might that happen like might that be a common theme? Okay, after about six months of dieting, people get a bit fatigued by it, sure. But for some people, six months of dieting would be way too long because they only have three pounds of fat to lose. And for other people who might have 100 pounds of fat to lose, six months of dieting might be absolutely fine. So it completely depends on your starting point. That just seems like a really blanket statement, which is completely inappropriate and it's gonna depend on the individual. And as, as Andy's saying, like, are you seeing this as a true lifestyle change or are you seeing this as a short-term quick fix that you're kind of resenting, that you're kind of waiting, trying to wait until it quote unquote finishes and you can get back on with the rest of your life. That's a huge element of it. And I really think, and this is what we try to do with Commit to Six and why so much of this is the mindset side of things is, I think Andy's just paused. Oh, I'm still here. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fine. Um, yeah, so why so much of commit is this mindset side is that I really think that diet should start with mindset and not just a calorie number. Like I think a lot of people think that when you're starting a diet, it's how many steps should I do? How many calories should I do? What protein target should be? But it really should be like, how are we approaching this? Are you trying to approach this from a short-term mentality? Are you trying to approach this from a place of, I don't particularly like myself, I'm gonna try and hate and shame myself into change. Or are you saying, I respect myself and I want the best for myself and that's why I'm making this change. Those are completely different mindsets and will have completely different results. Even if on paper, the actions are the same. Like if you're going out for a walk every day and you're like, I get to go out for this walk, I know it's good for my body and I know it's getting me closer to my goals, I feel great about it. Or are you saying, I hate my body, I resent it. And the reason that, that I feel like I have to go for this walk is because I need to lose weight. Like it is a completely different mindset and you will start resenting the process and you will start like kicking back on yourself and you just won't get results. And, and even if you do, like, is there any point achieving your goals if you fucking hate your life? No. So it really, like mindset is so, so important to this. And I think it sometimes seems a bit wishy-washy. It's like, yeah, yeah, but what are my calorie targets? That's the, the fundamental. That's what's going to get you results. You need to start this in the right mindset. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's it's one of those ones that's, it's mindset is a, is a word that gets bandied about by a lot of people. And I don't think they understand what they're talking about half the time. Like, genuinely just being able to tap into somebody and understand 
what they need, how to be able to get them to where they need to be, is tapping into somebody's mindset. And I think for me, because of obviously the industry that we're in, we see a lot of these, you know, a lot of mindset coaches like can trying to fire off all, try to be look all smart and smart and classy. When in actual fact, there's just a bunch of bellends that are just spouting shit that they've read online. You know, we genuinely like mindset is something that we do work on massively with the people in Commit to Six and our one-to-one clients and personally with my my in-person clients. And it's something I would probably never class as a mindset. I would class as just tapping into somebody and understanding them. And that's exactly what it is. You know, if you, exactly as you said, if you have that, if you go into things with a negative attitude of, oh, I can't be arsed going for this walk. Of course, you're not going to enjoy it. Of course, you're going to you're going to end up throwing it and just going. Do you know what? I can't be arsed with this. I'm done. Finished. Whereas, as I get to go for this walk, I'm enjoying being outside in the fresh air. Yeah, it might be raining, but I've got a jacket on. It's fine. Perfect. Get out. Get some steps. Get my head relaxed out. Um, you know, taking and I think I put something up last week about just about attitude. You know, taking an attitude is an attitude. Somebody's attitude will tell you a lot about what they want and a lot, a lot about what they're willing to do to get to where they need to be. If you've got a victim mentality, you're already fucked from the off, unfortunately. Yeah. But and if you, is you need to call yourself out on that, and people who have yeah. a victim mentality... Don't want to. It. <laughs> it's <laughs> everybody else's fault. It's everybody else's fault. It's the only time that we tend not to get results with people is when they come in with that, like, I'm looking for excuses, not solutions. And it's yeah. the only people that I ever struggle to coach. Like, it's never... The people that maybe on paper have the biggest barriers, the most like quote unquote problems, the biggest like psychological barriers, physiological barriers, if they have the right mindset, they will always get results. If they come in with actually on paper, no excuses whatsoever, but they're looking for them, they won't get results. If you come in with a victim mentality, essentially looking for reasons why this isn't going to work, then you find them and you won't get results genuine when I when I start when I was doing PT or when I was started in PT I started working with a guy who I used to sit beside on the one of the recumbent bikes like the sit down bikes every Saturday morning for probably three months I sat beside him just pedaled over chatting away to him and he after about three months he said Andy goes would you um would you consider something for me I was like well of course what's up he's like would you train me I was like oh of course I'll train you and he goes, I've got a problem though. I was like, what's the problem? He goes, I've only got one leg. So he had a he had the prosthetic limb. And I said, I don't really see the problem in that. That's not your problem. That's my problem to be able to work out how we're going to get around this. And honestly, um, Jim, Jim passed away from, a, he ended up finding out he had about seven or eight different types of cancer um, and passed away. But honestly, this guy was the epitome of an, the attitude that you want to see. Nothing, doesn't matter. You know, he would... We were benching one day, and obviously, you when you're trying to bench, you try to get your feet locked into the floor so that you can obviously balance with the bar. And he's he was benching like 120 kilos with one leg. Now that's pretty impressive going um, by standard of somebody who has two legs. Never mind one bloody leg. And we were sitting, and he had his foot and put his feet in position, and he pushed too hard, so his prosthetic popped off. So it was like, and he was sitting halfway through a rep, and I was like, right, I'm going to take it. He's like, don't you fucking touch that bar. And he managed to readjust himself and get the bar out of 120 kilos with one leg, whilst one popped off and pissed off down the gym, rolled off down the gym. 
genuinely one of the best attitudes I've ever seen. And that's the difference with somebody who's going to succeed no matter what's put in front of them and somebody who just goes, oh, excuse, excuse, excuse. Do you know what I've noticed? And I still can't like get my head around exactly why this is, but the people who genuinely have the most things that could be barriers or could be excuses as to why they're not getting results tend to sometimes just get the best results. Like I, I remember getting incredible results with cancer patients, but even some that were going through chemo. Yeah. You have every single reason to be like, I'm not going to do this or, you know, and legitimate as well. And then there'll be someone who's like, literally has no real reason why they can't achieve anything, but they've just told themselves that they can't, they're different. Oh, the, the weather's crap. I can't get outside for a walk. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, you're, well, you're totally well, right. Actually, like, sometimes it does still come back to things like perfectionist mindset. Like, oh, well, I know that you suggest that we should go to the gym three times yeah. a week, but I can't, so there's no way I could get results. It's like, you don't need to go to the gym to get results. You just need to find a way to do some exercise at home. And here are some, and like, that's what we're there for. It's like, and here are some home workouts you can do. And here is yeah. something you can put it into your day. And oh, you don't like that exercise. We'll swap that out for you. And it's still, you're still, even if the plan is perfect, you're still going to intellectualize some reason why you can't do it. And th- yeah. th- that, that's what makes someone uncoachable. But fortunately, we don't have any of them on Commit Six. We're very lucky. Um, Speaking of mindset, uh, I found this funny because I wrote in my notes the other day. In fact, I I was having a chat with someone on Commit 6. I think it was Laura. I think. And I just, I said, what do you gain from quitting? And she was like, I'm not going to quit anyway. Like, like, she's like, you're right. I don't gain anything and I'm not going to quit anyway. And then I went onto Instagram and I saw that Amelia had put up something like, about quitting and like knowing when to quit and stuff and, and we had this big discussion about it because I was like that's so funny I've literally just said to someone what do you gain from quitting and she was like telling people to quit essentially but when we obviously like we we disagree on things all the time but then when we actually talk about it we're like all oh, right it's just different positions because her client base yeah. is very different um and we did agree eventually that the re- what she was saying is essentially quit on your goals if they're not serving you anymore quit on your goals if they're not actually based on your values quit on your goals if you know it's essentially it's the wrong goal and you're working towards it for the wrong reasons and I'm like yeah I 100% agree with that but if you've set the right goals and you know it's right for you don't quit like commit 100% to that and that whole 100% commitment is so so important and I talk about this all the time but if you commit 98% to something or anything less than 100% to something, you're giving yourself that opportunity to quit and you will constantly go over in your head like little reasons why you might not do this. Like instead of thinking, well, you know, I'm going to stick to my calories today because I've said that I would, you're thinking, but I've only committed 98% to doing that. So there's this 2% and that 2% is decision fatigue. Like yeah. that's what it makes it so draining because you're going over and over in your head. Yeah, but I could do this and that might be slightly different. And maybe, and you're second guessing yourself and that's absolutely fatiguing. Whereas if you're like, no, I've promised myself I'm going to do this. I'm going to commit hundred percent to it. The methods to get to that end goal might change. I'm not saying commit hundred percent to eating the exact same thing every day or to hitting your calories every single day or to a certain method of getting to your goal. But if you're committing to, I want to get to this goal and I know I need to get to this goal and I know it's the right goal for me. 
then commit yeah. and that in a weird way takes the pressure off for yourself yeah i think a lot of it's exactly there it's it's intent it's stepping up with intent if you have something in front of you you want to achieve it you know exactly i'm 100 with both of you and amelia on that one there are times where you, you have to realize that you're banging your head against a brick wall and you should really step away from that and that's potentially the wrong goal for you you need to find the right goal and then put your put your thought process towards that um but yeah massively i, th I think about in, like, people's thought processes it's, it's not about just getting by and just getting it done go in there and fucking own it just get in there it's the same thing whenever i tell clients you know if you put somebody a client in a squat rack for like a pd on a squat you're going in you're lifting that fucking weight it's as simple as that there's no there's no failure there's nothing you're getting in intention is that thing's getting lifted simple as don't go in thinking oh but I'm, i might not do it i've got i'm 98 certain but a two percent certain i might fail because you're already in your own head there so yeah a lot of people do that the psychological term a lot of the time like self-handicapping it's not exactly that but like very similar and Amelia and I were talking about this when we were the other night because self-handicapping in my experience happens all the time with women and very or maybe not very rarely but way less often with men so when I used to run I'd notice like in the call room before every single race and I only really noticed this looking back in hindsight everyone self-handicapped I haven't had a great training week. I was injured this week. Oh, like I didn't feel very well this morning. I wasn't, yeah, like I've got my period. I don't know, I've got stomach cramps. Whatever. Like loads of reasons for if they didn't run well, they could be like, oh yeah, but like everyone knows that I wasn't well this morning. And I said that before I started the race. So weird that women do that all the time. And then I'd noticed that in the men's call room or like I'd hear my, like my training partners and stuff and they'd be like, oh yeah, I'm feeling great for this race. And I'm like, Toby, you've not like you've not run all week because you pulled your hamstring last week. And he'd just be like, Yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing for this. It's going to be amazing. It's like talking yourself up as opposed mm. to it like talks themselves down as that, like yeah. almost like, well, if I do fail, then I'll have a legitimate reason for failing. It's so, yeah. so interesting, like the difference in psychology. But it's blokes bravado and ego, isn't it? It's the, the bravado and ego of fuck it, just get it done. Don't give a monkey what happened previously. Whereas I think for certainly dealing with like male and females with training and stuff, females are much more thoughtful about this kind of stuff. They do a lot more thinking, whereas blokes don't. Blokes just kind of blindly bludgeon their way through it, no matter what happens. Ah, it's been a shit week, but fuck it, I'm going to do it anyway. So, and that's generally... Yeah, but, but the thing is, they wouldn't say, ah, oh, it's been a shit week. They'd be like, it's been a fucking great week, even if it's not been a great week. That's yeah. what's the thing about it. And, and I think yeah. with women, like I know, because I used to self-handicap, I'd be the I would be the person as well that'd be like, oh yeah, training's not been going very well. Like I like I'll just do this race and see what happens. And I think sometimes it like I know that for me it was to take the pressure off. And also completely self-imposed pressure. Like <laughs> I wasn't at the Olympic Games. Like it didn't really matter if I ran well or not. It was only me that really cared about that. So it's just yeah, it's just interesting to observe. And I think that. I see that a lot in clients as well. The self-handicapping thing of like, oh yeah, this week's not been that great. Or, or maybe it's just like self-deprecation a little bit as well. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um, okay, very. a couple of questions on life. Oh, in fact, we've got one more on that post, don't we? Yeah, one more. I've got it here, do you want it? Uh, yeah, what's yeah. the best natural energy drinks that don't leave an awful aftertaste? Excuse me. 
Uh, normal energy drinks make me feel like my anxiety is on high alert. I would say that energy drinks are probably not for you if you're on high alert after it. Doesn't matter if it's natural or like monster. Unnatural. Unnatural. Um, yeah, I would probably steer clear from the caffeine because it seems like caffeine is giving you anxiety, um, which you want to step away from. Um, yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think people who struggle with anxiety, extra caffeine can make you feel more anxious and the key ingredient in these sort of energy drinks are is caffeine so you could think okay well maybe like in terms of energy you could just have a piece of fruit before a workout or something like that if you're lacking energy but yeah I would I would avoid the caffeine and also aside from maybe coffee there's probably not much like quote-unquote natural like most of these are full of sweeteners and what most people wouldn't term natural we could go into the natural fallacy and and note that not everything that isn't natural is inherently bad and not everything that is natural is inherently good but if you're asking for a natural energy drink probably realizing that caffeine is the active ingredient and coffee is probably going to be the most natural one if that's what you were looking for yeah definitely Okay, Fiona, how many days in a row do you have to see the scale increase uh, before you get worried? Scales have gone up the last three days. I know we get fluctuations and I need to just trust the process and stick to the plan. I've been telling myself this all morning, but still hasn't stopped me getting a niggling, disappointing feeling. Fiona, this is totally normal. My weight goes up for about five days, five or six days before my period. Everyone is slightly different, so it's it that isn't the norm that isn't what everyone will or should experience but that's very common so don't stress out about it I say that if you are sticking to your targets there is no physiological way that you can't be losing body fat like we just come back to energy balance again if you're sticking to your targets that we know have put you in an energy deficit and you're still sticking to those then you can't store calories from nowhere like there is no way that you can be storing body fat. So it is simply water retention for some reason, most likely either food volume or something to do with your menstrual cycle and fluctuating hormones, which means that you're storing a bit more water. Just keep ticking the boxes. This is why we focus so much on process goals because that's, that's what gets you results. It's those actions that get you results. The weight will come off as a byproduct at certain times we can't rely on that that's why we don't use it as like the primary outcome measure what we care about is are you hitting your process goals yeah so and and it sounds like you just need a little bit of a reminder because you know logically that it can't be body fat but sometimes just that little bit of reassurance you are doing everything right don't worry about the scales don't let it put you off because this is often what we see is basically the situation you're in people feel disappointed and then start overeating and then they aren't in the deficit and then they do put on body fat and then they're like see this always happens when really it's just that little bit of patience that's required okay lisa emma that hundred that is 100% emma that is 100% about having the right mindset i think she means that is 100% right um sharon any obvious pointers to speed up muscle recovery sorry if you've answered this already and a million times previously joined late we actually started the live essentially with that um 
in terms of speeding up recovery, make sure that all your basic recovery markers are right. So getting in enough sleep, having enough recovery between workouts. You know, if you're training three days a week, but you're doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, can you put rest days in in between there? Um, getting in enough protein. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. As no, that sounds good. Sounds good. Um, I have found I struggled more with the dark mornings and dark nights with going to the gym. I always feel so much better when I do it. Yeah, like <laughs> I feel very unrelatable at the moment because I'm in Mexico, but it is much harder when it's dark. Like it's significantly harder. But once you do it, you're right. You always feel so much better. So just keep trying to remind yourself of that. And the winter is a bit harder. Like it is but that yeah. doesn't mean that you should give up. Like this, this yeah. is what sets you apart from people that don't get results is you're going to do it even when it gets a bit dark and it gets a little bit harder, you're still going to do it. Um, so yeah, I think you're doing excellently. Yeah, I think a lot of people do get affected by the SAD or seasonal affective disorder. Um, so just simple, just I think the biggest things that I can probably, the biggest tips I can give you towards that kind of stuff is setting your alarm clock at set, set times. Get up. Don't try and snooze it. Because if you snooze it, you're already lost because it's still dark. Get up as soon as your alarm hits. Get up. Get your morning routine done. Bam, get into your day. Um, it is more difficult because it is rainy, because it is colder. We have waterproof jackets. We have warmer jackets. We have you can put on trousers rather than shorts. There's loads of different ways to get around the weather. Um, I'm very lucky in the fact that I have a dog, so I have to go walking anyway, which gives me the impetus to do that. But a lot of it is, again, exactly the same. as It's about having the attitude towards getting out and getting it done. You know, that's where you get things right. Do you remember when I had that idea about the Tamagotchi walking pedometer? And then I realised someone had already made it. And I was like, why is this not, like, a huge... It's not a thing. <laughs> you don't have a dog. Like, imagine that your Fitbit is a Tamagotchi and... Or a dog, you know. And if you don't get 10,000 steps, the Tamagotchi... Blah, 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 Tamagotchi. Does anyone... Some people are probably like, what, what even is that? Did you grow up with that? Like, I, I had one when I was younger. It always died. But basically... I never had one. Thing, that you need to keep feeding. It's like a little computerized pet. That's it. Computerized pet. That like if your parents were like, we're not going to get you a dog, they'd be like, well, here's the Tamagotchi. Like, oh yeah, basically <laughs> the same. Thanks, Mum. I want yeah. a dog for Christmas. Okay, well, here's the Tamagotchi. Anyway, imagine that that's going to die if you don't hit your eight to twelve thousand steps. There's the motivation for you. Maybe if you pictured it as an actual dog, not a Tamagotchi. Um, what is it you killing folks' dogs? I know, I know. I just feel like it's a great We're back here again. <laughs> a great motivational tool. Okay. So yeah. Uh, Tamagotchi least... still had a longer lifespan than the gen than the general goldfish, though. Hey, my goldfish lasted ages. And then we had to when we moved house up to Scotland, we gave it to the nunnery next door. One of um, one of my exes had a goldfish that was 18 years old. 
Oh my this God. thing was like a fucking shark. It was massive. It was like that size. They had to keep getting about. I don't know if they got the right kind of fish because this thing was massive. But yeah, they had it for a long time. I, I read about this once and it was like, it basically, I think someone was talking about it in relation to our limiting beliefs. And they were saying that like one example of this is that goldfish will never outgrow their goldfish bowls because they have this like innate thing where they stop growing if like depending on the size of their fish tank so yep. if you put a goldfish in a bigger fish tank it will actually grow bigger but if it's in a small one it won't and then another example of this which I remember my rowing coach talking about and we were all like <laughs> I think he explained it exceedingly badly because I mean it was like a group of female rowers right and he was a man and he just had like absolutely no I don't know, like no like self-awareness that he was talking to a group of like 20 year old girls, but whatever. He called us all elephants. And then just like, like and then started describing this um, observation that elephant keepers will just put like a small peg in the ground with a rope around it when the elephants are young and they can't move from that rope. And so maybe when they were young, they tried to move from that rope and they're like, well, I'm stuck. I'm stuck to this peg in the ground. Now, obviously once an elephant's fully grown, it can literally just flick the peg away and go wherever it wanted. But because it had this limiting belief that oh, I tried that once or I tried that when I was younger, they can still just like none of them leave because they think that they're stuck to this peg, but they're not. And he was like, basically trying to use that as motivation for our limiting beliefs is that like what you thought you were not capable of or whatever like you can flick the peg away and you can be an elephant we were all like did you just you can be an elephant why thank you sir <laughs> call us all elephants or anyway thanks for that <laughs> that obviously went really down really well with with us but hey i remembered it so there okay yeah. right a couple more on the live and then we're done lisa i'm on a walk listening to this and keep laughing i must look special you're welcome. Um, Natalie, my meals haven't massively changed since starting commit six, but I'm hitting protein. Sounds silly, but do you think I should overhaul my diet more? I'm just wondering if the mantra of insanity is doing the same thing that expecting results is applicable. Well, Natalie, are you getting results? Because actually, I think generally routine is really good. Um, and actually, there's research-based like five or six behaviors which they basically they observe people who are successful on diet long term and one of those five or six behaviors is consistency with meals now the only caveat to that is that your gut microbiome really likes diversity so it's not that you would have to completely overhaul your meals like I generally eat the same meals but I'll change the, the veg or I'll change the lean protein. So it might be like every day I have a salad, but sometimes it's with tuna, sometimes it's with chicken, sometimes I have olives with it, other times I have a different kind of, you know, like you, you can mix those things up. So it doesn't have to be like this hot, huge, I'm overhauling everything and my whole routine is changing and all my meals are changing, but you can still get variety within routine. Yeah, 100%. I'm very much, mind is all about routine. And the, the quote is, is it's attributed to Einstein, I think, isn't it? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results is, 
insanity. But um, I would actually say doing the same things over and over again is practice. Practice gets practice gets you where you need to be. Um, certainly with things like diet, you know, exactly as Emma said, I'm very similar as well. My first three meals of the day are genuinely virtually the same thing, bar changes of um, veg, you know, changes of things like that. But yeah, if you find that routine works for you, stick with it. Sorry, I'm just laughing. Because I can see Amelia on the balcony, right? Totally naked. Just singing to herself like this <laughs> on the laptop. I just took a video. I won't show everyone because she is actually naked. Um, okay. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think Einstein is right. If you're doing it for long enough and consistently enough to know that it's not actually getting results. And this is why we always review. This is why you've got two week check-ins because honestly, after a week of doing the same thing, you don't really know if it's working after two weeks. Yeah. yeah you can kind of tell if you're consistently sticking something for two weeks, you kind of know if something's working or not. And then at that point we make any changes needed and then we continue. So, um, yeah. I, I think that's all fine. Uh, Natalie, low-key fangirling you two, by the way. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Possibly too early to call it as the steps have it, et cetera, but it seems to be serving me thus far. Babe, if it's working, don't change it. And I think this is, a, this is something that a lot of people mess up with diet is they're like, cool, I've nailed these basics. Now what can I do to make it like next level or like more confusing or what more can I possibly be doing it's like you're getting results just stay consistent like don't be looking to your diet to be the most exciting or interesting thing in your life if you're finding it relatively easy that's a good thing that means you've got more brain space energy effort emotion whatever to put into other areas of your life so don't overcomplicate diet for no reason if it ain't don't if it ain't broke don't fix it boom okay we'll finish with this tracy is just telling you that your dog is gorgeous she is she was also the ring bearer at the weekend and she did it perfectly Richie, do you have a video um no we don't have a video somebody might have a video but we don't we have we probably have photographs of it but we had her to decide that if she was going to come up the middle of the aisle and i was going one of two ways she was going to do it perfectly and come up the middle or she was going to just go down one, just go down the rows and see everybody because everybody's there to see her. And she got to the end and she looked left and right in the rows and then came down the middle. So she did a good job. She came down the middle. She was, she, she, she kind of stole the show a little bit because she was kind of, at one point when everybody was like clapping and stuff like that, she was howling along with them. So it was quite good fun. Amazing. So, right. That was an excellent Q&A. Thank you very much, Andy. Um, if anyone is listening to this on the podcast and wants to give us a review, please do. Or wants to rate us, please do. And if anyone is like, oh, that sounded great. I'd love these guys to coach me. You can sign up to Commit6 at esgfitness.co.uk forward slash Commit6. Our next intake is on the 13th of December. And I will say, and I think we say this every year, but the people that sign up in December get the best results. And that's because they're not people that wait until January. They're like, do you know what? I want to make change and I want to make it now. So we love the people that sign up in December because we're like, they're serious about their goals. They're not going to delay anything. They're not putting it off. They're not waiting until tomorrow. And you yeah. guys tend to get the best results. All right. Love you all. Bye. Ciao, ciao.